nobody like this You ain't seen nobody like this You hear my sound all over town singing Good evening, SA Soccer Roundtable fans. My name is Harry. Uh, joining me tonight is uh, Rafa. Welcome back here. Uh, hopefully everything's uh, okay with you and your family. And, uh, you know, like I said here, uh, uh, I'm glad to have you back here and hopefully give you a little bit of reason to talk a little bit about soccer here. Uh, how are you doing this evening? Uh, good. So, uh, a couple of days back, back in town. Uh, it was good to hang out with you guys last night at the games. It kind of Get away from things, you know. It's been a rough three weeks, and which I'll discuss hopefully later on, and just kind of, just kind of say what you know, what's been going down and so forth. And but it was it was exciting to come back to to a win. That that, that was probably the sweet part. So, you know, to be back and watch our team knock off the top team, you know, in the league. league. Yep. And that was a little bitter. It was, it was, it was, it was sweet. So that was icing on the cake. So, um, for me, sorry, my voice is probably a little bit, uh, uh, raspy here. So, uh, do apologize about that. Been a long weekend with AJ's first, uh, tournaments, uh, this weekend <laughs> here with, uh, surf, um, and you know, the game last night and just, you know, uh, <sighs> busy stuff here. So, um, but let's get started here. Um, also want to say congratulations to Oklahoma City Energy, who uh, just knocked off uh, RGV. So thank you uh, for that here. Uh, down in the valley, you're, you know, you're starting to sink down where I thought you'd be uh, for that here. Uh, but, you know, season series split, but uh, for that here. So um, starting out with the UTSA women, because, um, uh, you know, uh, high school soccer is just around the corner for you. College soccer is uh, up and running now, and, and uh, I'm going to have to start focusing on it a little bit more. Uh, but the one team that I do focus on quite a bit uh, that I follow probably the closest here is the UTSA uh, Roadrunners uh, playing some women's soccer this weekend. They, this week they had two matches. The first one uh, was against uh california baptist university they won 3-0 uh, three goals in the first half um anna Suter had two one at the three minutes 20 seconds uh three minutes and 20 seconds um ellis patterson got a second uh, the second goal at 13 55 and 2032 uh minute 2032 uh anna Suter got her second uh second goal here so um at the time that put um, you know, uh, uh, UTSA at two and one on the year here. Um, but to me, the bigger one that they came back here with was actually on Saturday, or just today here, uh, where they played a very good Grand Canyon out of the whack, one of their top teams. Um, one that typically will, uh, contend for a NCA um, tournament run, for, you know, for women's soccer. 
Uh, they beat them two to one here. Uh, looked like here it was a very close game. Um, you know, till about the 60th minute when Issa Hernandez uh, scored. Looks like here on a penalty. Uh, 62nd minute, uh, Serena Russ uh, got um, you know, the game-winning goal, and then Grand Canyon University did pull one back in the 85th minute uh, for that here. If you get the opportunity, uh, please go out to Park West uh, Athletic Complex. Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful uh, facility to be able to visit. Uh, this upcoming week here, they do play two on the road. Uh, on Wednesday, they go to Texas A&M. Uh, Corpus Christi, which is coming off a road loss uh, against UTRGV 2-0. Um, they are 1-1 one one on the year. Um, but then the next Sunday here, which will be on uh, um, ESPN Plus, so it, we will probably be doing a show during it. Uh, so I'll probably have it on against at Texas Tech in Lubbock. Uh, Texas Tech is 2-0-1. Um, only tie was against uh, San Diego on the road. Uh, so uh, they'll probably have their hands full playing, uh, you know, was it the big, I think they play what the big 10 or big 12, pardon me, uh, for that here. And, and the early loss this year is to Oklahoma state still in Stillwater here. So any thoughts on UTSA soccer? Uh, you know, I, you know, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Texas A&M Corpus Christi, any, any, any thoughts on their upcoming matches here, Rafa? Uh, you know, kudos to UTSA. It's a good start for them, you know, uh, I know the last few years they've had some rough starts, so, you know, some slow starts. But you can tell that this group is really on it. They're focused, you know. The tough loss to Oklahoma State, you know. But, yeah, you know. They First game of the year, yeah. Yeah, that's a good caliber team. You know, no, no not, you know, big to lose a t uh, quality team like that. And I think going into the Corpus game, uh, this should be favored to win that game. So I think they'll come out with a win. And then we'll see when they go to Lubbock. Um you know, if they can keep up with Oklahoma State, I don't see why not. They can't come back with a win against you know, the Red Raiders, you know, on Sunday. So, so two winnable games for them before they have their little homestand coming up the following week. To me, like I said, <clears throat> excuse me, I do think uh, the A&M Corpus Christi one is one they should win uh, for that here because I do think they are a better, better program. Going against Texas Tech, going against a larger university along those lines here on the road, to me, you know, would it be awesome if they got the win? Yes. Um, but, you know, Coach Pittman's got this team headed in the right direction. To me, if they came back with, you know, a close loss, you know, or, you know, you know, even if it's, you know, let's say 2-0 like they lost to Oklahoma State, I think, you know, before they head into Conference USA play, playing that top level of competition – um, is, is, is what's key to help get them ready for, you know, for league play. And, and that's why I'm excited to see, um, once again, you know, like I said here, if you have the opportunity, cause the following week, uh, the, uh, September 10th, 11th, um, they do have the Drury Invitational at Park West. So, you know, you will have some home matches to be able to go see, um, if AJ hadn't had his, uh, hadn't had to have a uh, match during the, uh, window that uh, UTSA and I probably would have went out and caught it uh, this afternoon here because uh, Grand Canyon University is a, a pretty good, pretty good program um, for, you know, for basically the, you know, the size that UTSA is as well. So, so we will go into a little bit more uh, when it comes to Trinity. I did talk to Jacob, uh, uh, you know, you know, as we waited out the rainstorm getting into 
uh, Toyota Field this weekend, so we may see if we can bring him on to talk a little bit about Trinity uh, upcoming season for both the men's and the women's. Um, I know the women's schedule was released. I hadn't seen the men's, but it looks like, you know, he, speaking with him, it may have been released here. Um, and then St. Mary's, uh, Incarnate Word, um, also have solid programs uh, that uh, we'll, we'll need to start ke uh, keeping up and uh, giving through there. And any other programs that we need to be on the lookout for locally I here? Actually, uh, Upstart, uh, Texas A&M, San Antonio. They're oh yeah, one, one of our conference rivals from, from <laughs> UHV. So, and like I said, UHV, we're the for the Benz, we're the we're the defending conference champs. So we'll take care of them <laughs> this year. But we'll that's see. it's a good you know. I, I guess don't know if we can talk about your school's program, but you know, with you on here, I'm sure <laughs> we can probably bend the rules a little bit. <laughs> just to... but um, like I guess you know, good luck to like I guess good luck to the you know A and M San Antonio. Like I said first year starting. I, I think they were supposed to start last year because of COVID. They couldn't. So this year, I know they're they're starting the men's and the women's program. So you know, they're in the Red River Conference. With, like I said, with with UHV, Houston Tillotson, a couple of those, a couple of Louisiana schools. So. It's it's gonna be like I said, it's gonna be a challenge for them because they're a new program. They have you know, you know, lots of freshman players. I mean, a couple of transfers with some experience, but it's gonna take a while. And you know, you know, it was the same thing happened to you know they're at UHE with us. It's gonna take a while, but like I said, I, I'm sure they're gonna be a pretty good program the next in the next few years. And you know, if that's just the women's or both women's and men's, oh, both, both men's and women's, both men's and women. All right. Yeah, they'll be part. Of, they're part of the <clears throat> NEI. Okay, so. Moving on, there's, you know, at this point here, high schools, you know, a couple of teams are starting to send uh, cement pictures out of the teams getting together, but uh, high school soccer <laughs> hasn't kicked off yet. Um, but with, uh, you know, with Rafa on here, with, uh, uh, was it Coach uh, Kano, um, uh, we will uh, be highly involved with high school soccers around, around here, uh, coming up here. Uh, but moving to kind of USL news, not really a whole lot this week. There's a lot of player transactions, but, you know, I don't want to you know, get bugged down. Uh, we talked a little bit of, you know, last week about uh, the transactions that San Antonio did. And I'll just ask you kind of high level here. Um, your thoughts on not, you know, not with how they played this weekend, but just thoughts on the moves coming in with uh, Courtney Ford being loaned in from the Rapids and, and his great story. And then, uh, the the trade, and I know it's a you know loan and loan, but you know the trade with uh, Emil Coelho going to Sac Republic and coming back to San Antonio Mitchell Tanner. Uh, your thoughts on that, Rafa? Uh, well, the Ford the Ford signing, I think it's going to pay dividends, especially you know some of the questions that we saw on Twitter, Speedwise, which we'll get into. Watching him play last night, you know you, you can tell. He, he was just on it. He was eager to play. I think he had some, he's got a chip on his shoulder, so he's got something to prove. And, and I'm glad that we have him. Um, as far as the quail uh, trade, I was a little surprised about that. But kind of now kind of looking looking at it, you know, with PC back, you know, you know, and also the play of uh, Abu, it kind of made quail a little expendable. To, to a certain point, because like I said, we also have Lindley in the middle. So we're pretty much set there. And like I said, Quail was kind of a little inconsistent. You know, he did have a good game against, you know, the, the against the Bulls, right, you know, before there in Austin, the one we went to go see. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we I think we expected a lot more from him when he signed, but he just hasn't really – I'd say he hasn't panned out. He just hasn't been consistent. 
So maybe a little change of scenery probably help out. Hopefully it doesn't come back to haunt us when we go play Sacramento when they play us or if you see them in the playoffs. But I think getting Tanner back, I think that I think that helped too. I think, you know, there were some issues on our defense as far as, you know, consistent play. And what we saw last night was, I think, it's, a, it's going to pay off. You know, but like I said, we added some depth there too because you're going to need – added depth going into this this stretch, especially with the whole situation with COVID being off 20 days. Mm-hmm. You, you're going to need that depth to really, you know, get it in gear and get, get some key wins, especially on the road coming up. So then we'll get that push. You know, I don't know if we're going to catch up to El Paso, but if we can get that second slot, you know, at least securing the second slot to at least get a home game, that would be great. You know, and then we'll see what happens if maybe maybe the injury books start to hit El Paso soon, you know, and those starts to slip. Yeah, I don't I don't think anybody's catching El Paso. And, and yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of the same with Phoenix. And I'll get to the standings here in a minute. Um, I think, you know, El Paso took San Antonio's best shot last night and was very close to walking away with a tie, which I think would have been a fair result because I think both teams, both teams of quality, both teams played well. Um, you know, you know, the, there's a couple calls probably, you know, each team, uh, you know, probably felt a little bit wronged by uh, a little bit here, but, you know, I, I thought, um, you know, I just think El Paso, is, you know, we're what 20 some games in, you know, for on average for most teams. The the you know when they're not starting Diego Luna that tells you the depth that they got because um, mm-hmm. Diego Luna has killed us the, the last you know last two games and and he didn't start so yeah it'll be interesting for me to hear what Sirius Loco uh, seriously Loco says about that just because I I thought he is a key against San Antonio with what he brings and with Coach Lowry um, having him come off the bench. Um, to me was, was a plus for uh plus for San Antonio here. But before we get too much into that here, let's uh let's go in over where we're at standing wise here. Uh right here. This right here. So looking at out to the Atlantic here, uh Tampa Bay Rowdies. Um, first place, uh, technically tied with the Riverhounds, but uh, Rowdies have the advantage, plus the Riverhounds have played two more games um, at 40 points. Um, barring some major upset, uh, Miami FC is going to get up to 37 points uh, with 21 games played. So there's really a three-horse race uh, right there um, as the fighting Billy Forbes uh, are uh, uh, making it, making a run on that here. So. Uh, for that here, Charleston Battery, Independence, Hartford are in that, to me, in that dogfight for the last uh, three, uh, last playoff spot in the Atlantic. Uh, for that here, um, Red Bulls and, and Loudoun United, um, thank you for coming. Uh, San Antonio will travel to Red Bulls again. Um, you know, if you look at the goal difference here, you know, they're now at a negative 19, allowed 43 goals. Uh, for that here, and I know, you know, it'll be an away match. Uh, but I do expect you know, if San Antonio doesn't uh, win that one there and, and score multiple goals, then you know I think there's a little bit of reason to be concerned about. Yeah. Um, moving into the Central, 
Uh, Birmingham Legion actually beat uh, Louisville City, however, so it kind of tightened that up a little bit. Louisville City's uh, still in first place, uh, 40 points. Birmingham Legion at second with 36. Then there's a gap uh, to Tulsa, um, which is at 31 points. Uh, Indy 11, Oklahoma City, Atlanta United 2. And you probably still have to toss in uh, Memphis, uh, Memphis 901. Uh, for that fourth slot here, uh, San Antonio is going to be playing Memphis and Oklahoma City um, and Tulsa uh, in the remaining schedule here. So uh, San Antonio could have a voice to say on on who that who who's who's going to be making the playoffs in the Central and especially against um, Oklahoma City and Memphis um, along those lines here. So and um, unfortunately, Sporting Kansas City are like Loudoun United. Thank you for participating uh, for that here. <laughs> In the mountain, uh, as we discussed, El Paso Locomotive, uh, um, 41 points, 19 games played, 12-2-5 uh, and five on the year. Two losses are to RGV and San Antonio, both away. So South Texas, you know, South Central Texas, you know, if you want to argue San Antonio is not in uh, South Texas if you're an RGV fan, but, you know, that's on you. Uh, you know, there's 17 goal difference, 31, 14 goals allowed. Um, I believe this is the first time that they allowed multiple goals, if memory serves me correct, uh, listening to uh, Seriously Loco uh, on there here. So uh, uh, kudos to uh, San Antonio be, to being able to break that barrier. Switchbacks offensively, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're very tough to beat. That's who San Antonio plays in the last match of the year. Um, so that could be very interesting when it comes to uh, comes to the seating here. And I don't think these are right here. Hold on one minute here. Let me just double check uh, for that here. Because I did these here and I got sidetracked. I don't remember if it was on this screen here. So we, do, we do have that tiebreaker over, over our GV, right? With it, cause of the yeah, we have, well, actually, no. Um, the tiebreaker between RGV and San Antonio will come down to who has the most points in the mountain uh, mountain division. So we don't own the rights outright on you know for them at this point here. So that that's the interesting thing when it comes to RGV San Antonio mm -hmm. is is on that here thirty two. Yeah, so Colorado Springs is actually at 32 points. RGV Toros is at 29. San Antonio is at 27. Uh, the Bulls at 26. So, yeah, the only one I didn't update was uh, the, the switchbacks here. I missed that one. I apologize. Um, so Locomotive, to me, has got a clear gap. They got a nine-point gap over over the switchbacks. Um, and, and uh, our, you know, and, what, 12 points over RGV. 14 points over us. Um, I think the bold, you know, just because they've been unfortunately letting everybody go that, you know, offensively that had any talent um, with the exception of Omar Gordon uh, for that here and, and a couple of others. Um, you're starting to see them slide back a little bit more in the defense, uh, you know, uh, not being able to hold up under the pressure that they've had. Uh, New Mexico United is the one that kind of puzzles me a little bit. <clears throat> 20, 20 games played, 25 points, uh, six wins, seven losses, seven draws, 24-24. Um, last, you know, they had one or they had tied uh, five matches in a row. They finally lost to Phoenix in, in 
um, a match that they were up most. And then uh, 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 Clarstreet got uh, two ma- two goals um, late in the second half to you know to uh, uh, give uh, New Mexico United uh, the the loss. And then uh, Wednesday's opponent, Real Monarchs. Um, you know they're starting to string a little string a few results together here and there. Uh, but the talent that they've had, unfortunately, is just not what it was um, as last year. And then out west uh, to the Pacific, uh, Phoenix Rising, just like with El Paso, the two class. And, you know, uh, when we come uh, class of the Pacific at 41 points, Loyal with, with uh, you know, Landon Donovan's found some more coins in the uh, couch uh, to be able to bring in some new weapons. Uh, I think you're going to see them starting to pull away in that second position. Orange County, you know, with uh, 30 points um, with in third place. Uh, to me, the fourth slot, um, I think Tacoma Defiance is, is pretty good. It'll be interesting if Sac Republic can kind of figure things out. They're a little bit kind of like New Mexico, probably a little bit underperforming. Uh, LA Galaxy at 22 um oakland roots uh won five or uh, have uh, have gotten points in the last five matches uh for here so they've kind of woke up and responded uh chewy enriquez was you know former san antonio former rgv player uh former reno uh, is doing uh some great work out there and then the lights uh you know they're vegas is vegas uh we'll <laughs> leave it we'll leave it at that the lights um, are going out there. <laughs> lights are going out. Um, but looking at the supporter shield, it's kind of interesting. It's a very you know ver, you know top five: El Paso, Phoenix, out west. Um, however, right below them, Louisville, uh, Tampa, and Pittsburgh. So um, for the supporter shield, most points. Uh, you know, it's 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 a dog race. There's four teams or five teams here that that have it um, that are be, are uh, in it right now. Uh, we see Pittsburgh coming up uh, next Saturday or next Saturday night here in Toyota Field, so that'll be interesting. And then on the wooden spoon, uh, Loudon at ten points, Red Bulls at thirteen, uh, Sporting Kansas City sixteen, Real Monarch uh, at sixteen, and then uh, the Lights at seventeen points. So um, if you notice, San Antonio plays uh, the Red Bulls and Real Monarchs. Uh, we get the Real Monarchs twice here, and we've yet to beat Real Monarchs. Out of their 16 points, we've got two draws. Um, I do think that the um, the uh, the Nathan red card back in that second match um, in, 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 impacted that in, impacted that a, a little bit here. <laughs> any thoughts on the standings standings that stick out to you from where San Antonio is? You know, any any teams that kind of surprise you still? Because we are, you know, let's be honest, you know. We're fast approaching the end of the season. I, I think for us, you know, it depends. You know, some teams peaked at the wrong time. Like RGV, RGV was was a perfect example. Um, I know there's a couple of the East Coast teams too. I think they're peaking, and now they're starting to slide. And I think for us, I don't think we've hit our peak just yet. And maybe from this game that we just played could be the start of something, you know, you know, being off 20 games, I think that helped our team. I think we're really kind of wounded, you know, battered around. So that rest really helped 
you know, re kind of re-energize the team, even though it kind of affected some that need to, need to drink a little more pickle juice or or, or some or some uh, pity alike. But you know, that's it's gonna. Come, I think for us, we need to make sure just keep on winning at home, stealing points on the road, and then winning the games that we're supposed to win, especially some of the against those wooden spoon teams. You know, at least if we can get into that second slot. You know, to host a playoff game, that'd be great. You know, so we just got to remain consistent on that. You know, a little surprise of uh, uh, the Phoenix Rising losing to Oakland Roots. You know, that that was a little little, little surprise there. That you know. Yeah, but they came back and responded against New Mexico, and and Phoenix. Yeah. Phoenix is one of those kind of funny teams where they'll they'll hit a little bit of a slide. And then the, it'll it'll turn back on. So, uh, well, that and that's another team in New Mexico. You know, they were kind of I don't know. And have you noticed on the kind of like, you know, they've been bringing in players, you know, to help help try to salvage something to at least make the playoffs. But I don't know if those signings are even going to help them. But they're they've really ever since they played us, they've haven't really been the same. So I, I, I speak, you know, with, and, and I follow Somos, uh, was it Somos Mas, uh, the, you know, the, the podcast, and then also Chris uh, Walker with, with Seek and Strike. <sighs> to me, the problem with New Mexico is they don't have any speed up top. They got Sandoval, which is, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's a good player, but he's getting a little bit longer, you know, in, in the twos here. He was never a quick player. Um, the uh, player that was going to break the internet, uh, Brian Brown, uh, they ended up mo- switching him over to uh, Oakland Roots. Um, and they brought back one of the former players. So it seems like they're trying to bring back players that have played in their system the last couple of years. So, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what, you know, the New Mexico podcast and insiders, you know, feel, um, you know, for that here. To me, it almost, you know, for New Mexico United, it almost seems like a Darren Powell situation for them where they've got, you know, the, it's their first coach. He's done well, but the results aren't coming in. And, and you know, as, as a San Antonio fan, hey, I'm – I'm excited that, you know, that, that they're getting ties instead of wins and, and, you know, against Phoenix, you know, I give both of them, you know, I banter with both of them. So it's kind of a no win situation for me. Uh, you know, if, if New Mexico would have beat Phoenix, I'd have been talking shit to the, the Phoenix fans, you know, if, if Phoenix beat New Mexico, you know, talking shit to New Mexico fans. So for me, it didn't really matter. Uh, but you know, with New Mexico being in the, in the mountain, um, you know, hey, you know, a loss for them, you know, helps us out here. So moving on to El Paso and the actual match here. Um, Royce nailed the nailed the uh, the formation uh, for it here. The lineup was a little bit different, um, you know, because he had Axel, um, Doyle, and Ford, and the lineup was actually um, – Ford, which he got right, but it was Kamiri, 
and it was Tainter. Uh, so your thoughts, um, you know, on the on the back line, and then of course the in the middle they had Maloney, Lindley, PC was back, um, and then Lima up top. You had Epps, uh, Nathan, and Jose. So your thoughts on the initial line, and of course Matt Cardoni and goal. Uh, you know, and that goes without question uh, for that here. But your thoughts on the new formation and how, how it looked. Well, that 3 4 3 is what we played last year. Correct. So T Tanner was comfortable playing in that, he's been in that position before. I was a little surprised he was going to start, but I guess, like you mentioned, he's a lone player. He's going to, he's going to, he's probably going to end up playing. So him and him and Ford were a little surprised, but, and then, Kamiri was the kind of like you know he hadn't been in the lineup a few games, but he was the right choice to start there. And I think out of those the three guys that we had last you know last night back there are probably our most athletic uh, defenders. And when I mean athletic, that means they have speed, they have strength. You know they can do it all. You know Axel, like I say, he has the height. You know he's got good touch, but he doesn't have the speed. Uh, Varela, he's physical, but doesn't have the speed. And same thing with Doyle. Doyle's physical, but he doesn't have the speed. And maybe that's the reason why they went to a fast defense to shut down. And basically, like I said, El Paso is fast up top. Mm -hmm. You know, with you know with Luna and, and so, you know with Sebastian and, and and Sebastian had a good game. Uh, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll give it up to uh, Sebastian. You know. You know, and he's the one that had the 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 shortest guy. You know, in, in the middle gets the goal. It's still kind of a little bit baffling, but uh, yeah, to me, uh, so I thought Ford and I thought Tanner were both going to start. I, I really did. The question was who was going to be the quarterback. Um, you know, and all year long we we had seen if Axel's been healthy, he's been in that role and. And you understand why, because of his leadership, his skills, you know, the hype that he brings. But the one thing he doesn't do, and, and it's and it's just kind of the same thing with Doyle, is if if they're going against a team with speed, they get they get beat. And and I think that's one of the few things that we've kind of seen a little bit, you know, uh, with since Doyle's return from his injury, is you know, if Ariel is great, set pieces, you know, he's good. And, you know, in my opinion, you know, he's, he's captain material, you know, he's got that leadership, that quarterback, uh, you know, ability on the back line. I was excited to see uh, Jasser there. Um, and, and, and I gave him my man of the match and, and I know Epps was, was, you know, was probably the, the man of the match, um, you know, on the offensive side. But to me, I think you know, Jasser coming in, the communication that he had with the other two, and he he matched Solanag's, you know, size for side, speed for speed, and, you know, as, as we've seen with Lucho, he's a hell of a player. And to me, he – to me, Jasser kind of made him – you know, took him out of the play, you know, took him out of the match. Yeah, he, he, sh he totally shut him down. He he was really Lucho was non-existent. I think maybe he had what one or two plays, mm -hmm. you know. But I don't did he? I don't know if he even got a shot off. I think me had maybe he might have been like I said, Camari might have limited. Maybe he had one, one shot. He had one, one shot. shot. 
16 accurate pass, 62%. His one shot was off target. Um, you know, he had 36 touches, you know, for the entire match uh, for it here. He won two, du- two duels, lost uh, three duels. Um, you know, so, and, and that's where, to me, you know, the on the other side, because according to Fop Mob, they you know they run run a what four three one two with uh, Solinag and, and Dylan Mayers up top with Seba, um, you know, right behind them. Then you know midfield you got uh, Brian Rebellion, Richie Ryan, Nick Ross, and then the back line uh, Fox, Yuma, Michek, Jerome, and uh, Malcolm and King. Um, but to me up top dylan you know dylan uh you know number 10 dylan mares you know he had three shots um two off target uh along those lines here but i didn't think they're you know and, and it's kudos to the defense and not only the back three but you know the midfield as well with you know the, you know with uh <clears throat> you know lindley pc and abu coming in to me they kind of clogged up and and prevented a lot of what um, El Paso wanted, wanted to do, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I know over Lucha, like for the other two games, he was really involved uh, setting up a lot of the goals. So, you know, feeding him the ball is important because, like I said, he's a kind of turn and shoot type of person or feed the ball to somebody. He could not do that. I mean, Camarillo just basically was on him, like, kind of like, 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 like gums just stuck to him and just frustrated him and and that and you can tell that that was really affecting the way El pa- you know Paso's attack they just couldn't really get into it. and that's the thing we didn't get the help help them get in a rhythm right when they get in the rhythm they're 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 on it and they were frustrated the whole night even though we gave up that one go that's you know I think that was kind of a lucky one but you can tell they were very frustrated you know just trying they were forcing balls. They did some things that they didn't do the last two games, and which you know, like I said, kudos to our defense. And then also having PC in there, even for the first half, he he set the tone for the game. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of did a lot of managing around. You know, you know he you know he got that yellow card, his usual yellow card, but that's just him telling everybody, hey, I'm here, I'm in control. It's gonna we're gonna I'm gonna run things here, and we're gonna we're gonna do it our way. But that yellow card was a statement, and yeah. and I know Royce and you and I sat together last night, and up to that point, the ref was the ref. I don't want to say he was losing control, but it was starting to get a little bit more chippier. Mm-hmm. And and I, I do think PC knew he was coming out at half. I, I do think that was planned, you know, because he's coming back. They want to kind of limit. He did, or in the first half, kind of go down. He was able to continue. And, the, you know, the yellow that he got was well-earned, but I think it sent a message to not only to El Paso, but also to, you know, to the referee saying, you know, we're not going to take this. So you're either, you know, um, and to me, the ref, I'm not saying that that affected his, his well, I guess I am saying, I think it affected how he, called the rest of the game because after you know he only handed out three yellows and two of them you know two of them were very late 
And I think, you know, you could tell the game was starting to get a little chippy along those lines. And, you know, but, you know, you know, with, with that yellow, with, you know, with that hard foul, to me, it kind of, that number one, it made a statement. Number two, I think it woke the ref up in the middle to where I, I've got to have a little bit better control or this will get, you know, this will get out of hand. Well, especially those two missed obvious fouls in the box in that good, first yeah. half. You know, and I, I think there's even one play uh, the the kind of the El Paso is kind of trying to get the referee's influence on that fourth ref. I think, uh, I don't know, what, you know, try to get one of our players a yellow card, and he didn't see the play, so, you know, tough luck, you know. Yeah, I think the ref could have been a little bit more consistent, but I think he did allow some play. But I, I, mean, I know you mentioned that he had like 30 something cards in six games. So I, I kind of expected maybe four or five cards this game, but to have just three besides at the end, you know. Yeah, at the end, like I said, I couldn't get any confirmation, you know, of the, the cards that were handed out, you know, you know especially for Yuma to, to see if he actually ended up getting one because he, sh- he should have at least got a yellow. Uh, you know, I, I think it should borderline red, but, you know, it's, you know, do you give a red at the end of the game for, you know, for, you know, for what he was doing? And they finally gave a, uh, a, a call to foul on Luna because <laughs> Luna, when he sub got subbed in, uh, there's a, there's a comment there about, you know, him being non-existent. He he had he did come in he did have his presence. You can tell yeah. there was there was there was a, a little period that he was really influencing that attack, but we were able to kind of to contain him. You know you know Abu was able to kind of contain him a bit that he didn't hurt us like we he did on the last game the last two games. So you know that's that's you know kudos to like our guys back there because he does draw a lot of attention and. Uh, one of the things I mentioned to you, like when he comes in, we had to keep the ball away from his feet. Mm-hmm. You know, if Luna doesn't touch the ball, El Paso is not going to win. You know, if we can just keep, I think if we, when we play them again, I think Marcina needs to kind of, you know, more like he's going uh, to start. We need to find a way to neutralize him right away and just keep him from touching the ball. And then I think, I think the one guy that's going to probably pester him a lot that's going to mm-hmm. get under his skin is going to be PC. And I think if right. PC speaks to him, and you know how PC is, I think <laughs> with Luna being, being um, young and inexperienced, you know, PC is going to get under his skin and hope maybe end up, ends up getting, getting Luna a yellow or a red, which is possible. Yeah, I, I think because Luna already picked up um, a cheap red card uh, for it here with an with a elbow. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, New Mexico, you know, right? Against New Mexico, uh, along those lines here. So, I do think that the the team will talk to him, and say, "Hey, you can't lose, you can't lose your lose your cool like that," because you impact the team. Um, and and you know, I've kind of got into it with you know the El Paso fan base, you know, uh, on whether Luna's clean or dirty. You know, and, and he's not Yuma level by any means. Don't don't get me wrong. Uh, but the path he's on <laughs> leads you lead you down to lead you lead you down to. Uh, but the perfect person to instigate him is going to be PC. Yep. And 
like I said, the next game against them, you know, well, even even Abu too, because he's got the experience too. I think he can also get under mm-hmm. his skin because the one thing is just we just need to get kind of get him frustrated, not let him touch the ball or anything like that, and that if, will affect his game just because he's not a he's a great player. He's young, but he does not have the experience or the cool like some of the guys we have, or even some of the like maybe like maybe like Sebastian Bosquez who's been there. You know, he can ha- keep his cool, but. You know, if he loses his Seba play, gets Seba gets the Seba can get the um, the blood pumping. We'll just say as well. Yeah, there. but but you know he's been around. He knows yeah. he's yeah. got that experience, which is which is what you're talking about here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's something that I think going to, when we're playing them again, if we can kind of put put our guy on him and that you know we can say we can get another three points over there. So. SA Mexican is sent sent a tweet out, um, and I submitted it to Royce. And, and unfortunately for Royce, he had a, um, unfortunately a, a last minute soccer uh, meeting for uh, for Rex. So um, family comes first. So that uh, impacted his ability uh, to be on the show tonight. And then uh, Rex uh, has school in the morning. So they're trying to get him on a new bedtime. So, um, but, uh, SA, uh, the SA Mexican on, on Twitter here, you know, says, does Alan continue to go with our quickest CBs or does it depend on our opponent? Uh, you know, they did a damn good job. Um, Royce, you know, initial response was, was speed, speed kills, probably same CB setup. Uh, Camry shut down everything. Only beat on a uh, on a breakdown and, and a set uh, set piece. Also, when one center back went wide or forward, the others tucked in and maintained a two back that helped uh, overload the wings. So, your thoughts on what Royce's uh, comment was, and you know, on the question yourself. Well, you know, speed does kill, and having a fast defense allows you to kind of allows you to recover. And I think that's what I think. Coach Marcina kind of looked at the tapes of the last two games against El Paso. Their speed was hurting us, and we're I guess our defenders just really couldn't recover on on certain attacks. So I think we picked the right three guys that not only are physical, but they're like I said, they can recover for any to get the ball back, you know, and defend. So I would stick to this lineup. Um, Depending, like I said, on injuries, or maybe if you do want to rest up, let's say, you know, if we're going up against Red Bulls, maybe you can sacrifice one of those one or two players, and you can put Dole in, or you can you can put Vela, uh, Varela, or or Axel. That's that's fine, you know. But if you're gonna go, you know, you want to put your speed players back there. It's just gonna make things a lot smoother. I'm sure. I'm sure Cardoni enjoys that because he can get the ball quicker out to, to those guys and get it up mm-hmm. the field fast. So, like I said, it, it's going to, like I said, sometimes it's going to depend on the matchup, but I stick to this lineup. Um, but if we're playing some of the wooden spoon teams, you know, you, you can kind of toy with it just a little bit. His second question uh, was, does Dylan continue to come off the bench? I think he does. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think there's really much discussion uh, with that here um however um you know let, let's take a look at uh, what mr mr dylan was able to do um, at the end of the match here this is already after 
he had split the defender and then went through the defense to get the uh, get the goal there. Your thoughts on how he was able to, um, and that was courtesy. I heard before you get too far. That was uh, courtesy of a SAFC Twitter uh, on one of the posts that they posted um, at, at three o'clock here this afternoon. Well, uh, your your thoughts on um, uh, on Dylan's goal? Well, kudos to the to your player of the game, Kamari, with that pass. <laughs> you know, without his assist, he would have never gone. And then you watch the replay; he beats uh, Dylan beats four guys. Easy you know, to get four to five shot. guys, yeah. So, and I and I think a lot had to do. I think the weather took took effect uh, took a toll on El Paso because they're used to that dry heat. They're not. It was after the rain. It was so humid. You know, people were cramping up, and I think, you know, Dylan coming in a little bit fresh. You know, he still had, you know, gas in the tank, and you can tell those guys from El Paso just had lost a step a little bit, and he was able to take advantage of that and get and get and get that winner right before. Before the final whistle, so um, I think you continue on with him coming off the bench. Maybe, maybe you can start him against Ribbles. You know, you can sit down Nathan. You know, that you know that game. You know, give him a rest. The uh, the other wild card, as you said, when Patina comes back, you know, now mm-hmm. now you have a, do you have a problem there? You know, which one who you go with or so forth. Um, but yeah, moving forward, like I said, looks like Dylan. Dylan's a good change of pace off the bench. Um, he's played well because um, he has that height. He has got that strength. Plus, I guess he showed speed too on that play. So, you know, so just like I said, keep keep the things kind of the same until you know that little rough stretch. You know, you probably do have to play with a little bit of the lineup up front that gives some guys some rest. Yeah, Matt said he split two and then shot through five and 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 through the goalie. So. It, like I said here, it's, I'll be interested to – I think it's one of the few times that the El Paso defense, you know, made an error and, and leaked, leaked a goal that um, I'm sure they probably feel that they should have stopped uh, for here now. You know, it's not them to take away with what Dylan did. But when he split the two defenders initially here and then kind of cut through and, you know, you know, I forget who's, who's, who put a picture out there, but there was – seven El Paso players, not including the goalie, and just Dylan in the frame. And I think that that speaks volume of just kind of how impressive that 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 goal was, which, you know, it was what, about 45 seconds before uh, the three minutes of extra time was, you know, was going to be there. So your thoughts on um, the overall game? I know Royce uh, – Wanted to point out the difference between this game and uh, the game in El Paso on on the uh, you know four there here was SAFC's ability to not only get shots but quality shots and they were on frame or or the last you know like on this one here they had 15 shots eight on target um, you know along with, you know they had five shots off target and two that were blocked uh, El Paso had 11 shots four on target five, you know, five off and, 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 and two blocked here. You know, we were off the woodwork, you know, one, you know, once uh, I think it was Lima's shot that if that would have went in, that would have been goal of the week, uh, you know, in my opinion. 
And then, you know, nine and six as far as shots inside and shots outside. Because that was my biggest complaint earlier in the year is they were trying to put everything in. And then, you know, there was, there was a couple of times where they, they um, who, who was it that, that took a long shot out? Uh, Maloney. And we're like, oh, we didn't know he had it in. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and it, it wasn't far off. It, you know, I think it ended up going above the goal. But, you know, to me, I think that kind of opened them up a little bit more in, inside. What I like to see a little bit more, I know we bring the balls down the wing and, you know, a little bit more crosses. But if we do bring that ball back up to the 18, I like to see that 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 shot just from outside the box. Just try to get that from the – get it to the opposite corner of the post. You know, I, I've seen, like, highlights of Epps scoring a goal like that. I think also uh, Gallegos has a leg for that too. One thing I do want to see Gallegos shoot is shoot with his left foot. I think he's trying to get comfortable with that right-footed shot, but and when he does that, he loses that time, that little time frame to get that shot off. He's got to, he's got to, he's got to trust himself and hit, hit that shot with the left. You know, and that's maybe he needs to work a little bit. But you know, the there are periods of when we're out on the attack, we lose out opportunities just because we take an extra touch so those are some of the things i think we can improve on and it's just going to make things better but i think the one thing that did it make us the big difference was was having our, our field general out there was P, you know having pc having out. in the first half that's and then and then then i know he came out and came out you know we didn't miss a beat with with with, with, with abu so yeah that's a good compliment there i know there was another question with Giddle's injury um I think what you can do, and here's something maybe in the kind of toilet, you could put Lima on the outside, you know. Like they started the game out with, yeah. You know, and, you know, you can have uh, Lindley, PC, and Abu, all three of them. I think those three there in the middle will cause a lot of problems. And, you know, and especially when you got two guys that can really pass the balls, especially, especially the crosses that Abu does from one side to the other. You know, uh, I would like to see a lineup with those with PC and him at the same time. I think that would give a, you know teams fits, and then also I think that would free up also PC too to make also shots take shots from the outside as well too. So, you know, I know we're gonna miss Lito on that. Hopefully, it's not too serious, but you know, we we could put Lima out, and then I think we still have some depth on the midfield. You know, I know there are some players that were not on the roster, but I think we can still plug those in later on, on in future games. And I do want to give a shout out to the Gleadal family. Uh, I was able to actually meet them. Uh, you know, Miss Gleadal, uh, you know, came to the match and, and as well as, her, you, know, uh, you know, Mr. Gleadal and, and met her brother, you know, uh, met uh, Sam's brother um, at the stadium. So uh, thank you for making the trip from Phoenix and, and supporting Sam. Like I said here, uh, uh, you know, it was very cool to be able to meet you. And, and, and like I said, I know AJ was excited uh, for that here. So one question that I have, and this might, hopefully this does, you know, doesn't create uh, too much of a hot topic. <laughs> Jose Gallegos. Fought mob. He was the highest rated player according to the match. However, during the match, I didn't feel that. And in his in, in his role, he did have an assist um, for it here, but he only took one shot and it was blocked. 
and I know you've kind of met, you know, mentioned him a little bit more about trying to, you know, you know, develop, you know, I think he's developed the right foot or, or left foot. I forget which, which foot that you were talking about to me for him to, to be able to take that next step to me, he's got to pull the trigger a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if he's going to be out on the wings, you know, like he had the one shot um, Epps had six shots, um, you know, with one goal. Um, Nathan had, um, well, he only, Nathan only had one shot, um, you know, for the here, uh, which was kind of a little bit, his was on target. Yeah. Do you think it was just more tonight was Epps night just on how, how, you know, how the offense was running and maybe how, and, and some of this has to go to El Paso's defense as well. Don't get me wrong. But you know, uh, but you know what Epps did. Uh, I think with Nathan and, and I think Jose kind of lacked. Epps really worked the field, but he played without the ball to create space. And it, and especially that goal he scored, he set that play was set up with him getting to space. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I want to see Nathan and and Gallegos. I think Nathan's done that pretty well this year. That, that, but he, I think he could have done a little bit more because he knew just because, you know, they got a good defense. Apostle's got a good defense. So you, you really got to work them. And that I think that's what Pep's kind of – Epps kind of realized that. So, you know what, I need to work these guys and, and make them come after me. And, and, it, and it paid off because he got that goal. But if you notice towards the end, and maybe that's the reason why, like I said, the reason why – uh, Dylan got that goal is because we wore that defense out, mm-hmm. and you have to. And that's something you know I, I would tell my players. You know, you got to play everything. You got to play full speed. You got to play to the space, even if you don't get the ball. Make that defense work, because eventually they're gonna either make it. They're gonna have to make a decision. Well, they gonna leave you alone or so forth. But you wear them out. Wear them out during the game. It's gonna free. It's gonna open more stuff. You know, more space for you, and I think that's what Epps really did well. I like to see Jose because there's a couple runs that Jose should have made, especially down the line if that ball's passed down the line. You know, he could have gotten some crosses in or you know some cutbacks to take more shots. Uh, so I like to see him do that. I think also Nathan needs to you know you know going against that defense. He needed to really kind of work a little bit harder for that, just to keep that defense honest because, you know, they did kind of shut him down a bit. Contain Well, not shut him down, they contained him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just working that, you know, make that defense work, make them earn their paycheck. And that's what, you know, we need to start doing. But like I said, I, I gave kudos to Epps for that because he, you know, he came in with that mindset that, like, I'm going to make these guys work. Whether I get a shot off or not, you know, I'm going to find a way to kind of, put a dent on their defense so kind of so we'll, we'll wrap up final thoughts here and then we'll transition to kind of a preview here uh for real monarchs and then pittsburgh maybe i might see if towards the end of the week if maybe we can get some guy uh, uh maybe mike on from mongols uh who does the pittsburgh um uh podcast here uh to see if maybe he can kind of come on and, and talk a little bit about the the river hounds um and, and their season here to kind of pre preview them um real monarchs uh you know as, as we went through on, on or let me give you the uh, final thoughts before i transition because i said i was going to do that here. 
what's your final thoughts on on the El Paso match? Um, like I said, it was a quality win. It was a must win. Uh, we ended their what their ten game unbeaten streak, uh-huh. which was great. You know, we're only one of two teams that have beaten them all season long, but it's a good it's a good confidence booster for us. But also for those the two new guys that came in, you know, Ford and with Tainer, you know, they really stepped. You know, for them being that first game, they really stepped it up. And who's to say this game doesn't get us? You know, this is the game that gets us to our, start peaking. You know, get get us on a roll, and that's what I think. That's what we need to start. It's not how you start; it's how you finish. And this is the game that I think that, that maybe we might look back at. Hey, this is the one that started everything for us and and got us rolling. And I have to make a correction here because earlier in the in the show, I said I thought this was the first time that somebody had scored uh, more than two goals against uh, um, El Paso. Um, the only other time that they allowed two goals or more was against RGV, which they lost. They lost that one three to two, and and you know uh, they lost this one here uh, two to one. So uh, the two matches that they've allowed more than one goal in, uh, they have lost. Now both, to be fair, both of them uh, were away here. Um, my final thoughts on, on the El Paso match is in Toyota Field, it's a very even match. Um, the question that, that I have will come October 4th when San Antonio, it's a Monday uh, match of all things, is, you know, is can they can they match the intensity um, in El Paso? Um, so far this year, they haven't, you know, it's only been one game, and then I think they went over there last year um, as well. They did not. Now, two years ago, they did win, you know, win the first time there, so. They have have it in their have it in their history to be able to win in El Paso, um, but the, the last couple of years they haven't been able to prove it, and so that that'll be an interesting aspect to see. Uh, so playing Real Monarchs, uh, you know, just kind of looking at head to head, you know, it's five wins for us, one win for them, three draws. Um, San Antonio typically does very well with against uh, Real Monarchs. However, this year I think it has to be a little bit um, disappointing. Um, they were, you know, they were up 1-0, got the red card with Nathan, ended up getting a, a, a second goal, um, and then right after the half here at Toyota Field, you know, on May 8th, uh, they allowed the two goals back to back. I think it was in a 10-minute span, and then uh, June 26th, when you know, when we were kind of in a little bit of funk, dealing with the injuries, traveled to a 1-1 draw. Um, up in Real, uh, up you know, up up in uh, uh, Salt Lake City, where you know, Real Monarchs are. So we get Real Monarchs twice in the next ten days. Uh, the first here, September first, here in, in in Toyota Field, and then you know, on the eleventh, going uh, to uh, Zion's Bank Stadium. Here, your thoughts on this makeup game? This is a game that was supposed to have been played two weeks ago, uh, two Saturdays ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, was canceled out due to COVID. Here, your thoughts on the upcoming match against uh, the Monarchs? Uh, like I said, this is another must-win for us. I think there is going to there is going to be a lineup change, and the reason that is because of the Pittsburgh game. Mm-hmm. I, I I see. I think I see Dylan starting this game. I think we'll save Nathan. You know, maybe coming in at the half. 
you know, maybe towards the end of the game. Um, we maybe I'll we'll see maybe Varela in this game. Uh, for sure, I think we probably sit out PC this game. I'd rather save him. Uh, I, or if uh, I, I think well, he plays unless, with half again, just because so, you got to build up that fitness. Yeah, unless unless you're having him to pull, you know, like you mentioned. Maybe to get him game shape, and then yeah, you play him a half. But I would probably play him in the second half. You know, I think uh, Abu starts this one. Um, so you'll probably see a couple, maybe three, maybe three or four changes, just to because they know they have a big game coming up. And there's a that's another thing we can't look past this game to Saturday, and yes. and, and that's and that's something that. You know, Marcina needs to make sure that, you know, the kind of emphasis. These are a these are these three points are not given. We got because we haven't beaten them yet. We we need to win these three. We got to win this game to get the three points. So that when that way we then we can focus on Pittsburgh. So, and they are a talented team. Let, let's mm-hmm. you know. I know their record doesn't show it. But this is an MLS two team that typically has good quality. Now mm-hmm. they they are going through a transition. There, there's no question about that. They're they're not the Real Monarchs of, of years past. But I, I do think that, um, and they did trade to me one of the you know their better uh, or the loaned or I guess Real Salt Lake loaned them out Douglas Martinez um, to to. Um, to San Diego, but uh, it's it's one that you know, like you said, you can't overlook. But yet, this is a game that you could probably have a little bit more um, rotation roster wise. But I also I also think we kind of saw this in the second half, where because they hadn't played in 20, 20 days. The the legs weren't weren't there as much as normally we'd see at this time of year, you know, mm-hmm. just because you know they had twenty days off, you know, twenty days off. Some of that, you know, was you know probably in quarantine um, along those lines here, where you know you're not able to do you know especially team wise uh, you know impact here. But I do think that you know, like you, I do think there'll be a little bit more rotation, um, and then you know. But like you, this is a must-win, in my opinion. Um, it was a must-win when it was two weeks ago. It's a must-win this Wednesday here. So uh, I just gotta make sure we break out the pickle juice and the PD light, you know, <laughs> and the IVs, you know. I, I and I don't know. Like I said, for Saturday, for Wednesday's game, you know, it, will it be humid again? I know it's gonna be hot, but will it be humid as you know? And we were. It was quite humid on Saturday. I think that affected a lot. I guess not playing twenty games, it's gonna affect. It's really gonna affect you. This hopefully, it's not as humid. You know, it's maybe more of a drier heat. That way, the guys won't be crapping up because we did see a lot of that towards the end. And then also, you know, those hamstrings. You know, that's there's a gleetle right there. Perfect example. You know, not playing, just not. You know, it's a little freak. Run that pulled pulled his hammy a little bit. Hopefully, like I said, hopefully he'll be back pretty soon. So I think it's a good good opportunity to put some of the bench players just to be on the safe side because, like I said, Saturday is going to be the a big game for us that we do need to get another three points before we hit the road. Yeah, and 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 
So Saturday is predicted to be 96, 77. Um, says there's a stray shower, thunderstorm is possible. Winds from the southeast, 5 to 10, 10 miles an hour. Humidity at 61. At night, uh, humidity is at 75%. So not, you know, not not the best, but not, uh, you if, know, to me, to me, it's not going to, weather's if I'm San, If I'm San Antonio, this is what I would do. I'd, I'd wear the white jerseys for the next two games. Make them the other teams wear the dark jerseys. You know, I know I know it's not our home jersey, but it kind of dawned on me. It's like, you know what? If we were wearing our white jerseys, you know, it at least it keep us kind of cool than wearing those kind of keeping the dark heat. You know. Well, you no, know. they because uh, the Real Monarchs game was a Viva night, so we've lost you. Can you hear me? Oh no, I can hear you. Um, no. Real Monarch schemes of Viva Night here. Viva Night. Um, yeah, so, you know, from my, or at least it was, uh, I'm assuming that they're still going to keep the same promotions for it here. Um, but other exciting news, uh, FC Dallas is, is uh, destroying Austin FC 4-1 to at the half. So that's um, that, that that's going to put a smile on a lot of faces that, that listen to this here, uh, for it here. Pittsburgh. Like I said, they're, this will be the first time that we play them. Lily Ball, in my opinion, a Hall of Fame. Not only US USL Hall of Fame coach, but I think for U.S. soccer from what he's brought to the game and, and um, through the here. They're a very uh, disciplined club, um, you know, for that here. But they do have some talent uh, up top um, for that here with uh, – let's see. Let me hold them before I – uh, Russell Cicerone, uh, he's got 13 goals. Uh, Dixon's got seven. Um, Carnado Forbes, who, who's one that typically does very well, has got a goal. Um, but, you know, to me, Cicerone, Dixon, and Williamson seems to be their top um, top players here. But they are, you know, in my opinion, defensively, however, Last five, they're two, two, and one. But last two is win away. They're seven, three, and two. So they do play away very well uh, for that here. Now I'm one personally where I think the East is a little bit stronger. Um, Austin went up to there. Now this was in June, and this is when Austin, you know, you know, had more of its depth. Did beat them one zero, and Austin's a very defensive team here. So. And they have lost to Loudoun United two to one as well um, on the road. So they're a team that you can. They're t- to me they're a team that kind of mirrors San Antonio. They'll drop games that they shouldn't, and they'll win games that they shouldn't. Um, along those lines, here they will be playing the Red Bulls um, on you know September first at five o'clock. Oh um, yeah, well we play Real Monarchs that same night, so. Both of us will most likely rotate the roster a little bit because both of those should be games that both teams should win. Um, and then, you know, um, you know, then, you know, then they'll travel down to Toyota field. So any thoughts that you have on the Riverhounds coming to uh, San Antonio? Um, I, I think what we need to do is take advantage I guess physical wise, you know, kind of use our speed Hold and on. go after. 
Scott, go to hell, man. F you know, go FC Dallas. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you're doing well, Scott. Things are turning in, man. Uh, like I said, we miss you. <laughs> I think ahead, I think Saturday, I think Saturday's game. I think you made a good point, especially the weather. Um, I don't think Pittsburgh's ever played in the Texas heat. Nope. You know, and that, like I said, I think that them traveling all the way down here is going to be a factor. How do they react to the heat? You know, for us, I think we do put our speed guys. We're here. You know, we need to wear them out. And that way there's, you know, sucking air and this and that, that basically will leave things open for us, you know, and, you know, I, you know, even considering, you know, wearing, you know, wearing white on Saturday, you know, you let them wear the dark jerseys, just a kind of little psych, a psychological factor going in. Um, kind of like wear, they'd probably wear their yellow, so I don't think you get that same, same, same aspect. Thing. Yeah. So, you know, that's something that, you know, I think we're going to look at game plan wise. But I think right away, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a similar match when we went against Birmingham. You know, mm -hmm. we really don't, if we jump on them, you know, we jumped on them and we were able to keep that lead, you know, get a good win from them. And it's going to be a good test. You know, if we can knock off Birmingham, you know, sure we can knock off, you know, uh, Pittsburgh. It's just, we just got to play the same intensity like we did against El Paso, and then hopefully, like I said, hopefully we don't get a, you know, like I said, uh, so that Wednesday is a trap game. You know, I do worry about that. Wednesday's a trap game. There is no yeah. question. There's, to me, there's no question about that here. And, and, and like I told, you know, you know, on Friday when, when I spoke with Royce here, I, you know, I was like, I thought San Antonio would get at least seven to you know seven points out of here he mentioned five um bad royce uh you know for it here so but he thought that they would either lose or tie to el paso and then you know royce you know at that time thought uh pittsburgh was was going to give us some issues and, and you know i'm sure if we you know if we had him on he, you know he'd be like hey slow down uh for him but i do think pittsburgh is a quality team so you know nothing against them but i do think you know, uh, but the same thing can be for, for, for Vicksburg. That that Red Bulls game could be a trap game for them too. Yes. But I do think that the what's funny is Real Monarchs and and New York Red Bulls are both quality historically have been quality teams, but this year they are they're they're not performing to you know to you know you know to, you know, to their abilities and. You know, like the Red Bull systems proven, you know, how many players have they shipped off, mm -hmm. um, you know, you know, over to Europe that, you know, you know, that they've got that pipeline, you know, for their hair. So, um, but I will try to see if I can reach out to, um, you know, Mongols to see if maybe we can set up something maybe for a Friday evening uh, show again, um, you know, to kind of go over the river hounds a little bit more in depth. Um, keep in mind, it's a quick turnaround. We got Wednesday, we got Saturday, and then they turn around and play the bolt, you know, play the bold on away on on the seventh. So, you know, San Antonio in the next, you know, what, you know, from the first to the seventh, so a week, um, we'll have three matches. So, to me, you know, I want you know. 
to me that the the two lighter matches are the real monarchs and austin bold and i don't mean that disrespect to them i just don't think they're at the same level of of the river hounds <clears throat> but i do think that will foresee you know a rotation in the roster you know for that here and, and that's why you know that's why you know roy said hey they went out and got seven center backs so that way you can you can kind of have this this setup yeah. here so one other thing before I wanted to let you go uh, for it here. Uh, CONCACAF qualifying starts out, uh, I want to say this week, right? On the yes, second. Uh, your thoughts on Mexico and the United States? Well, I'm a little mad at, at the at the Italian culture, uh, not letting Chucky Lozano leave. I, I, think, I think FIFA needs to put their foot on some of the leagues, some of those European leagues, but and let those players come play. Yeah, because Mexico's impacted on that, right? U.S. isn't as impacted, yeah. is my understanding. But I heard Mexico. This could really imp This could possibly impact the the qualifying. Yeah, I think we still have quality players, you know, going into. But still, you know, if you're trying to bring like Chucky Lozano and. Um, Tecatito and now Rojo Jimenez, he's, he's made a you know comeback now. He's playing playing well, even though Wolves isn't hasn't done well, but he's played good. Um, you know, th this could impact that first game against Jamaica, but I, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll go ahead and get the win versus Jamaica. But uh, honestly, FIFA needs to really, you know, to tell you know let tell these leagues, hey, you know, you gotta let these players come when they get selected for their national teams. Now, do they need to find a better system to kind of allow them to go? I think they need to explore that. You know, there's got to be a way that there's some time about time frame. And I know the big thing is like, well, they're playing too much, too many games. Well, you can kind of space things out, maybe. Well, you can't because they did because well, COVID took took away that yeah that time. Well, it, well this well remember you remember this we don't have the World Cup. In the in the summertime, right, goes to next winter, yeah. Because they'll be so you do have for this time around, you do have some, you could extend out a little bit to give these guys some time. But I know the big thing, like with Champions League or domestic cups, it it really throws you know, like I said, it does affect a lot of these teams. You know, not so much maybe the U.S., but you know, I know you know. Well, some like I said, they do have their European players too. So I think it affects a lot of our some of those Concacaf teams. And I think, you know, CONCACAF really needs to kind of tell FIFA, hey, you know, you need to get your ass, tell these Europeans to get their ass in gear and let our players come over here because it's it's part of qualifier. It's not a big issue there because of those European teams. And I can see also, well, same thing with those South American players too. Well, South America is the one that's really getting impacted um, yeah. from this. And, and this, this is my big issue with it. If you're going to have a red red list of countries, how is the United States not on that list? Yeah. How is the UK not on that list? You know, how are some of the other European countries on that list? That's my issue with with, with the list that they have and I know every country is different and they have different dynamics. But, you know, you take some of the you know, you know, like I heard, you know, I forget which South American country that they have that they had if you actually look at their numbers, mm -hmm. their numbers aren't bad. It's just, 
and, and bad in, in meaning that, you know, especially when you're comparing them to the United States numbers. And that's, you know, and, and I know the United States is big and, and you, know, you know, without getting all political, a whole bunch of other stuff that goes into that discussion. But what Mexico, I think, is on the list, right? You know, mm-hmm. but yet the United States isn't. And yet, you know, let's be honest, you know, I went to Cancun. How many of us go down to Mexico and that 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 causes the problem? Um, now, I also understand that, you know, hey, the clubs are are paying, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars, you know, for this here. So. But my biggest fear is if they do it this way here, saying, hey, COVID for here. Previously, there's already been discussions of should clubs that pay millions and millions of dollars to these players have to give up the players? Because they're investing, and to be fair, they're investing, you know, what? how much is, is Ronaldo you know, and Messi getting paid, you know, yeah. more than you and I combined will probably ever That's see. That's what cost Sergio Ramos his spot at Real Madrid because mm-hmm. that injury he when he got injured playing that for Spain, mm-hmm. that pretty much derailed him getting a, another contract with Real Madrid, and now he's at PSG. I think the one factor you do mention, like I watched this weekend's, um, uh, was it a uh, Chelsea and and Liverpool game. The stadiums were full of fans, but none of them were wearing masks. Yeah. Like, and then and those and some of those guys play international ball. It's like, well, FIFA. There's your perfect example why, you know, if there's teams are not being allowed to go play here and there because because the, the club teams are not taking care of their own players. Yeah, it's and and like I said, it's a slippery slippery slope, and um, you know, there, there's no right or wrong answer on this. You know, you know. See, and if you see like La Liga games, uh, like you see on ESPN, too, yeah, ESPN Plus, have you noticed that they've actually limited their fans? Yes, so you know, and I I think they're being real proactive, they understand that they want to protect their players. I think they have an understanding that hey, you know, we do have to lend them out to their national teams, and we want to make sure we have a good working relationship with those federations. and and not every league is the same, you know, because of that. And I think that's where FIFA really needs to, I think, set, set a standard. Hey, this is how it's going to be. This is the way we're going to do it. And so for that way, everyone's safe. So when the player comes back, he's, co- you know, he's safe. He doesn't have COVID in this and or whatever. We're going to take every single precaution. And I don't think FIFA's done that to, to ease anxiety to these clubs. And my final question to you uh, tonight before we get into final thoughts, the transfer market for this year, uh, you're, you're off. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. So my final question to you this uh, is the transfer market this this year. Um, I'm not a huge for, uh, huge European soccer fan uh, for that here, you know, especially compared to you and Royce. Uh, for that here, but your thoughts on just the, the craziness, you know, where Messi's changed teams, uh, Ronaldo's changed teams, and and yeah, Harry Kane didn't change teams of all, 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 all things. Your kind of thought on what kind of stood out, uh, well, Mbappe is not over yet, it's not, he's he's not over yet, today. but he's coming though, right? I think 
with the craziness over this week, um, I, th- I think Ronaldo kind of saw the signs there at Juventus. Um, that Juventus hasn't really invested in making that team strong. So he decided to go, well, it was kind of funny, you know, they mentioned about him going to Man City. Some of the uh, Manchester United fans were burning their old Ronaldo jerseys, only to end for him to end up coming to. <laughs> so you kind of killed your own jersey there. Um, now, is he going to make a difference at Man U? He'll 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 help them win some games, but I just don't think they're at the level where Man City. He elevates is. them though. He'll he elevate elevates them, them as a as a top four team, but as far as contending to the Premier League Championship or even uh, Champions League, I, I don't I don't see that I don't see I don't see that. Like I said, I think Man City and Chelsea are still still the two favorites. Um, your your dark horse is a pro, is your Liverpool as far as you you know Champions League because they've won it before, uh, but uh, like I said it makes it makes man like I said makes Manchester United uh, the probably the fourth best team they, they leapfrog over Tottenham now even though Harry Kane's staying, um, even you know but I, I still get I think they had a little more far far than Tottenham so they'll be in the top four and they end up sending Tottenham to the to the Europa League. Uh, Messi, like I said, he's. I think. I think he got the shock of his life now that the league one's no longer considered a top five league. I think it was. It was right below the Portuguese league. So, uh, but I, I don't think league one is. It's PSG there's all, there's and Port- everybody else. Well, they have a, 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 a Marseille, Monaco. Um, well, Lille, well, Lille, Lille, well, I guess PSG didn't even win the league last year. Yeah, right? Lille, 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 Lille or Lille won the championship. So, I mean, you have four or five good quality. Basically, it's like the Bundesliga, you know, except for the Bundesliga, there's only, one, well, two team, well, one A, Team A, which is Bayern Munich, and then the B team, which is uh, Dortmund, and then there's everybody else. Um, but, you know, for, for, for him to go there, I think – it may help him as far as you know, kind of stay fresh, because you you kind of think about it. But at Barcelona, he never took, he never rested. Mm-hmm. He played all the all the games, all the all the domestic games, all the cup games, and Champions League. And I think that kind of wore tore him out. And I think being him being at PSG is going to allow him to really rest up and be fresh for a lot of those big uh, Champions League games. Yeah. So this is, I think this is, this is going to be a benefit for him. I think it, I think even Ramos, you know, I think Ramos kind of, it's going to benefit him because you're going to need those guys to play some of those big your uh, Champions League games, you know, going in, you know, going into this season, and they're they're not in an easy group either. So I think it's going to benefit it's going to benefit them. Now, is PSG probably the favorite right now to win the Champions League? More likely, but that could be a that could change probably tomorrow, with or this week with Mbappe. I think more likely he is. I think he is going to go to the Real Madrid, and the reason why is, you know, the contract situation. I, he's not going to sign another contract with PSG, so I think PSG is kind of realizing, you know what, we better sell him and get something out of him. Well, they're, they're getting not, a whole lot from him, right? Well, they're they're getting. I think they did they. They were given 160. They turned it down. More likely, they're gonna get 180. And for that, and now 
for him not to wanting to sign, you know, Mbappe is actually now in control of this because if you right. look at it this way, you know, he can play, finish the season with them, and he can just walk away free and PSG's out, out of, a, you know, doesn't get anything in return. So Real Madrid's kind of got some pull now. Says like, well, if you want, you want to have something for him, you better sell him now, or not. We're gonna get him for free next season. With, you know, we can wait for him for a little bit, and by that time, Real Madrid is gonna be free off their books with Bale and a couple other players. So, I think, I think PSG is gonna probably pull the trigger this week, send them off to Real Madrid, and then that's gonna book Real Madrid to be the La Liga favorite and probably in the top five for the for the Champions League. I just want to know if Man City is able to pull somebody in at the striker position, or if, you know if they're going to run with what they have. So that's that that's the one that kind of interests me because I think they're they've kind of been burned a couple of times here, you mm-hmm. know, with Ronaldo, with Harry Kane. Um, I do think Kane wanted to go, but the owner of Tottenham, you know, just wasn't wasn't going to allow it. Um, I think Kane fits their system more than Ronaldo. Yeah, I, I think I think Ronaldo's not a, a Pep Guardiola type of player. And then I Pep, I think, said that what he's out twenty twenty three twenty twenty three, and then you know maybe at that point he can come coach the U.S. Maybe, maybe uh, for Mexico. <laughs> it, he actually he, does have ties with Mexico because he did play in the national league. He'll be able to pick wherever he wants to go. From my understanding, yeah. he wants to do national team uh, for that. But, you know, he can pretty much say, hey, I want to go to X, and I have a feeling they will say yes, sir, uh, for that here. So final thoughts for, for you, Rafa. Uh, like I said, I appreciate you hopping on, you know, like I said here, and, uh, you know, look forward to uh, mm-hmm. talking to you again here, hopefully a little bit more regularly as, as your uh, schedule hopefully returns back to normal um you know for that here but uh any final thoughts for you today um i i just want to say like take this time you know uh, i'm really gonna open my heart to everybody here whoever's you know watching tonight um you know it's been a rough three weeks you know you know not in a lot of if people don't know i lost my father about three weeks ago today uh it was unexpected um I'm still kind of trying to process everything that's going and the, you know, the main thing for me, you know, keeping, you know, staying, I guess, you know, keeping everything afloat for, for my mom and for my, my two brothers and just being the, being the strong one for them. And, and I truly appreciate all the, all the, the, the prayers and the comments, Harry, I appreciate you and Royce, you know, being there for me. Uh, Matt, I gotta appreciate Matt Gomez for keeping, um, you know, keeping up on me and what's going on, and Scott and uh, I think Miho, Miho too, uh, Coach Kano, uh, even Coach Marcina. You know, he sent me a message. I really truly appreciate that, and it, it means a lot. You know, I'm still like I said, I, I'm still like I said, I, it, my dad was pretty much, you he, he was my world. You know, he. He was my one of my first soccer coaches, and he was kind of my inspiration to be, become a soccer coach, and it just motivated me to me to want to be better than him, and and you know having him there support me when I first started coaching. You know, I started off rec league, and 
then made my way to high school, coaching my alma mater, you know, having them go to the games, you know, it was great. And and then when I came over here coaching club, you know, he he would brag I guess I can say he bragged a lot to everybody in Del Rio's like how how good of a coach I was and like, well, my son's the only one that's won in Dorio the one all like I said, won a championship from all, all the major cities in Texas and stuff. So, you know, he he would say that to a lot a lot of his friends would at the funeral came up to me and told me that and uh, but like like I said on on behalf of you know the Costarena and the Reese family you know you know thank you guys for all you know all your prayers all the all the kind words you know just keep on praying for us you know you know we just thank you guys we can't can't thank you guys enough and you know we're you know hope, like I said it's it's gonna take some a lot of time for the heal but I know he's looking down on us you know, watching over us. I know, you know, he's going to continue on and, you know, and I love them a lot. And, you know, he served his country too. And that, that's something I'm proud of, you know, he's a Vietnam, Vietnam veteran. And, and like I said, I, was, you know, it was, a, like I said, it was a tough shoes to fill for him, you know, going to the coaching stuff all that. And I, I'm just going to miss having conversations with him, you know, soccer wise and just, just even life in general, you know, he, he was, he was my rock. So, but you know, thank you guys. You know, love you guys, and and I just couldn't, I couldn't, you know, go, you know, go through this without you guys' support. Thank you, Rafa. And, and having lost my dad, what, uh, 14, 15 years ago. Um, even to this day, there, there's days that you know, it's you know, you're like, hey, I wish I could just pick up the phone and say, hey, dad, what do you think about this, or you know, how should I handle this here, mm-hmm. but. Um, you know, like I said here, my final thought, and, and like I said here, you know, anything that you need, and, and this goes for anybody, um, if you need to, you know, just, hey, pick up the phone and, and talk to, you know, just to, you know, express, you know, whatever it is, you know, I know Royce will take the call, I'll take the call, Scott will take the call, Matt will take the call, and anybody, uh, the most people that, you know, uh, you hang out with will, will take that call, and and listen, because that's the most important thing is to be able to listen and, and um, you know, and just, you know, kind of be there for each other. And, and that's what we need as a society is, is to be there a little bit more for each other. Um, you know, I know it seems like, hey, we're very divided for 50,000 different reasons, but we're really not. It's it's a lot closer than, than what people think. Um, and then my final thought goes out to the family members that, you know, of the U.S. military, uh, 13 of them that, uh, unfortunately, uh, aren't coming home, um, alive, uh, for that here, you know, being, a, you know, in the Navy myself, you know, it, it's, it's tough. Um, you know, like I said here, leaving all politics aside, you know, like I said here, you know, if you see somebody, you know, wearing a uniform. Uh, make sure uh, that you give them thanks uh, for that here. Um, thank you for them service, you know, because it's not only them that goes through, but it's them and the family, uh, you know, for like especially uh, the wives, um, children, um, you know, are, are just as much part of the military as, you know, the, the person that that's serving. Uh, so, you know, want to thank everybody that uh, we are military c- uh, city for a reason. Uh, you know, thank you everybody for tuning in tonight. Uh, Royce, uh, we'll c- catch up with you maybe later on in the week uh, for that here to see, you know, maybe doing a River, River Hounds preview uh, for that here. Um, 
Um, but uh, what's life without goals? And I hope everybody has a wonderful evening. And